Amnesty's secret comedy podcast. With your host, Joe Caulfield. Thank you very much and welcome to the Amnesty International Secret Comedy Podcast live from Edinburgh Underbelly. Thank you. All the people with hangovers going, oh, is there going to be a lot of cheering in this show? It's quite a lot of cheering. It's one of those fantastically Edinburgh days today. Like, because I saw two girls walking along. One of them is wearing shorts, right, and little sandals. Her friend is in leggings, boots, and a cagoule. And I just thought, at some point in the day, each of you are going to be dressed correctly for the weather. Madness, isn't it? And then you had that slightly earlier where it's sunny and rainy, like a little miracle of horribleness. And then this is another thought I had. This is where my mind works. I was reading, right, uh, uh, the artist, Tracy Emin. Now, she had an exhibit, uh, an exhibition on, and one of the works featured five used tampons, right? Which is a bit, mm, but I just thought, no, I'll shut up all those people that look at modern art and go, oh, a child of five could have done that. (laughs) Wasn't going where you thought it was, was it? Going, oh, that's actually rude, but uh, kind of arty. And then now this is a thought I had, right? But I didn't just think I actually said it, right? Because uh, we were watching, I was watching a documentary uh, with my husband and uh, the documentary, it was about Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood's work and he's being interviewed, right? And it was a recent one. And I never really thought about it, but of course Clint Eastwood is he's very old now. He's now 83 years old, which is old, right? But he's Clint Eastwood, so he looks great, right? He's looked for 83, he looks amazing. So we're watching it, right? And my husband goes, well, whew, hope I look that good when I'm his age. I just thought, you don't look that good now. <laughs> like, honestly trying to work out what he thought was going to happen in the next 40 years, that he could end up looking like Clint Eastwood. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you seem uh, like a lovely audience. We should, uh, we should just start. Um, so I'll go over here, and then we'll get started. <laughs> so today we have uh, Sean Hughes doing penguins and Brett Goldstein doing porn. Penguins and porn. That's what people really want. (laughs) We've also got great comedy and a couple of sketches from Shirley and Shirley. So please listen right to the end to find out how you can support Amnesty International. Let's kick off with some stand-up. Rolling Stone magazine put this guy in their top 50 comedians. He is also a writer on Saturday Night Live and recently worked on a film with Chris Rock, no less, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Michael Che. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. (laughs) I like uh, the English accent the best of all the accents. That's the funnest one. Because it's English. It's like really, I don't know what it is. It makes them sound smart. I wish I had that accent. Because I have an American accent, but I'm also also black, so I I speak, you know, slang and shit. when white people in America, they don't really like it that much. They always like, speak English. Well, now that I've been here, I could be like, you speak English. Because <laughs> technically, we're both way off. So. <laughs> people constantly explain to me issues, you know, because I don't know anything a lot. Like, I watch the news, and either I'm just too stupid to understand what's going on in the world, or they're, or they're lying to me. I was watching CNN, this lady's talking about the economy from the government. She's like, 
we're in a recession. We owe China $11 trillion. And I'm like, we? I don't owe China shit. You owe China $11 trillion. We owe T-Mobile $90. You must have been roaming. I don't know, like I, I used to go to those Occupy Wall Street marches because I wanted to see protesters get tased. And I saw, <laughs> I saw the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life there. I saw a white lady holding a sign that said, fuck the police. <laughs> I wanted to rob her on principle. <laughs> just to see how committed she was. I don't know. They say it was about oil. The war for oil is what's bankrupting the American economy. And I agree. You should stop fighting for oil because, I mean, we're not going to get it. We might as well just find something more valuable than oil to fight for, like ink. <laughs> it's way more. How much is oil? Like $5 a gallon? What's ink? Like $48 a cartridge? <laughs> Why are we in Iraq? Let's bomb Epson. They got... It's the stupidest thing you guys ever laughed at, right? I'm for, I'm for equal rights always, though. You know, anything for rights is cool. I'm for gay marriage. I don't even know how that's a thing, honestly. It makes no sense. I, like, what are people really afraid of? This one guy interrupted the show. He's like, come on, man, you can't let gay dudes get married. What's next? People are gonna wanna marry animals. And I'm like, yes, probably, who cares? I don't, I eat animals. You wanna fuck one, that's your business. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm doing the worst thing to it. <laughs> well, if I was a goat and you asked me, <laughs> we are like, hey, goat. <laughs> You'd rather be chopped up in this Caribbean lady stew. Get blown by this strange farmer. Wouldn't be the toughest decision I made as a goat. <laughs> they pass it like slowly, but you know, like each state they do it, like one state at a time, which is strange. Like California got it, which is exciting. You're always happy to hear that people got rights, but I also feel bad for like a group of people that I feel don't really get talked about. And that's gay guys who like really don't want to get married. <laughs> and had like a really good excuse not to until. <laughs> Cause I'm a guy, I know guys. And I'm sure there was a dude out there like, yo Carl, man, I want to marry you, but society, they just won't let us, you know? <laughs> Oh well, guess we gotta keep fucking casually until the world gets it together. <laughs> that must have been the worst news he's ever heard. When he came home, he was like, babe, guess what? We can get married now. You bullshitting, really? <laughs> fucking Obama. I've been Michael Che and I'm gonna go home. <laughs> Michael Che! Uh, let's indulge in a bit more stand-up. Uh, please welcome Dan Nightingale.
Hello. So I'm uh, attempting to look after myself a little bit better at the, at the Fringe this year, just trying to get some early nights. I'm next to a Papa John's, which is fucking brilliant. I love pizza and they do it really well. And they've got stuffed crust and I love stuffed crust. Can you tell? <laughs> People don't like stuffed crust. I love a stuffed crust. Because what's the only thing better than cheese? Secret cheese. <laughs> They've made cheese more exciting. My show's uh, loosely about uh, looking for love, which is um, something I'm doing on the internet. <laughs> I'm on a... I'm on a, d a dating website. I don't know if you know um, dating websites. There's like different levels of desperation. <laughs> Plenty of fish is the initial getting. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. I just think invest more in your future. I need a wife. I'll pay fuck all. Like, come on. <laughs> Plenty of fish is just, there's so many idiots. It's the internet dating equivalent of getting your knob out in the Yates's. That's how bad it is. Like, <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for Match.com. You can tell a lot about the people on Match.com, how long they've been single. When it's, there's giveaways, like how far are you willing to travel to find love? The first option is national, which just seems a tad desperate. I will go anywhere on the mainland if you just promise to touch it. And then at the other end of the scale, the minimum's five miles. Do more work than five miles. If you live in congested London, maybe five miles, in, but I'm from Lancashire. If I don't travel more than five miles to meet my future wife, there's problems in terms of the gene pool. Like, <laughs> we're probably related. Let's have ugly babies. Oh my God. I've got my nephew, so I live out all my paternal fantasies vicariously through my nephew turn up more than my brother-in-law wants me to, sugar him up, give him back. It's amazing. He's, he's, he's called Charlie James Gary Carroll, <laughs> which is still funny that my sister had to bargain with my, with my brother-in-law about having Gary as the first. She said, if you make me call this child Gary, I will leave you. Because you can't have a Gary. You can't have a three-year-old in, in the year of our Lord, 2013, called Gary. Gary's not back. That's a parent age name. They're not back. I've got friends who are breeding all over the shop. I've got friends in Crouch and very London. They've had an Albert and an Ida, which maybe you can do Albert and Ida, just about. You, they couldn't have had a Keith and a Linda. That's not, you can't have a toddler called Alan. It just, <laughs> look at little Alan, what does he want to do? Play in the garden, he's got, he's got grouting to do, to be fair. <laughs> not finishing itself, chop chop. Ladies and gents, I hope you have a really nice afternoon. It's been a pleasure playing to you. Thanks very much, cheers, see you Dan Nightingale. Um, now let's get some guests on. I'm very excited, I saw his show last year, and my husband went to see a show, told me to go and see Sean's show, and this is what he said to me, so you can see what you can really do with stand-up. I was like, well, <laughs> fuck him. Right. Uh, it was amazing. And also we have, uh, from Ricky Gervais's show, Derek, who's also, he's a fantastic stand-up as well. Uh, we have Brett Goldstein. Please welcome Sean Hughes and Brett Goldstein. <laughs> Sean, I, I just want to say, because I did see your show, Life Becomes Noises. There was a bit of a rash of dead dad shows the last couple of years. I'm not to blame for that. No, it's not like... <laughs> best one ever, though, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes. Yeah, got to say. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, weirdly, because of my dad's show last year, it made me think of my childhood a lot more. So this year, it's about the... I thought of the pleasant things of my childhood. But then, you learn a lot of things when you're a kid, but never in school. Because like, I, I, I think we live in the biggest age gap ever now. Uh, you know, obviously there's always a generational gap, but this is the biggest one ever. Because I think the difference between, like, like, cheers if you're over 29. Yeah. 
Under 29? Yeah. No personality whatsoever. <laughs> but the reason is because you don't have false information in your head. Anyone under 29 now, they're computer literate. They've always been able to Google everything. People over 29, we still have things in our head, which is wrong. I, I was, when I was five, I was told, eating an apple, I go, oh, I really like apples, I'll, I'll enjoy that. And my mum says, uh, don't swallow those apple pips because an apple tree will grow inside you. <laughs> I couldn't Google that like you can now. Yeah. Even now, every time I get bloated, I go, that's an apple tree, that's, that's starting to grow inside. And I've got, you know, that's what it was like for us. We had to, basically our education was being told a load of lies, masquerading as facts, and we couldn't check them out. And so I think that's uh, a lot of the shows about uh, how life could be different in that sense. And also I think then, I think we did think, like we were only as clever as our parents were because we took whatever they said. And I think we were much more like, oh, grown-ups know things. But now, young kids yeah. know that grown-ups don't know very well, much. Well, yeah, no, that was very much... And I think people should have respect for older people, especially mm. as I hurdle towards it myself. Yeah, I'm but, all for it myself, but yes. Yeah, but yeah. You were, we were always told, like... Because there was no Google, and, like, mm. you'd always say, listen to your granddad, listen to his stories. And my grand, I think one of the last things my granddad even said to me was, uh, is boy George a man? You know, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't clever, and... It, and he'd always say things like, uh, oh, in a crisis, make fudge. And I thought he meant, you know, because you should be self-sufficient, self-sufficient where, mm. you know, fudge is made of, you know, sugar and, and milk and butter, things you have in your house. But he just really liked, like, fudge. <laughs> <laughs> and he just was lazy so and wanted excuse, us to make yeah. it. But, and that's why, but now, now like, because you assume, like, because they're older, they've travelled. But now people can just uh, have so much more information than older people. So there's a real, like, the, the world is just warped and it's really changed rather dramatically now. To the better as well. I'm not one of those people that, you know, hates technology. I think it's brilliant. But it is, like, it's just totally changed. And uh, I don't think I'm ready for it. <laughs> it's, it's weird, the travel thing. Like, my mum and dad never travelled. Well, because they travelled from Ireland to England. So that was it. You know, my mum's like, well, I'm in a foreign country. Oh, it's exciting. But well, forever? That, like, you're not going to travel? The Irish Sea would put you off travelling again. Oh, God. Because if you've never been Sick. on it, it's, yeah. about, it's about 30 miles. But if you go across from England to Ireland, even there's fish jumping out of that water going, it's fucking freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being on that ferry and it's just full of people being sick everywhere. And they go, oh, we're going on holiday. And all I would think of was like, oh, we're just going to be wallowing in sick for 24 hours. But that's what I feel sorry for Scottish people because, uh, like, Celts, and I, I don't drink anymore, so I say this coming from that perspective, but uh, Celts do drink way too much. And, but it seems that Irish people have got a great PR system going because people see Irish people as really friendly drunks. Fun drunks, and, yeah. yeah. And Scottish people, you're seen as stabby drunks. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, Brett here as well. Now, Brett, last year... Now, I didn't see your show last year, but I heard about it yes. because I think I've talked to you about this and I was a bit like, well, I'd like to meet your father and talk to him about this. Because the show was then about you running a strip joint. How old were you? Your uh, father owned it or something. Yeah, my, my dad had a midlife crisis and bought a strip club in Marbella. <laughs> and, uh, God, there's men in the room now going, wow, what a life he's got. Eh? Yeah. That's an option. Sort of accidentally ended up running it for a year, but I was like 20, 21. What did he do before the midlife crisis? He yeah. was a bookshop owner. <laughs> and I remember saying to him on the plane to my bed, I said, what do you know about running a strip club? And he said to me, he said, business is business. <laughs> he said, it will be the same as running a bookshop. <laughs> just, as, just instead of books will be selling dances and I was like I don't think that's the case <laughs> I respect the man because uh, I think 
a lot of men must have thought having a midlife crisis, wouldn't it be great to open a strip club? But they never follow it through. <laughs> I mean, he really did it. But you know. how was it a disaster? Because obviously there is a market. Did they not take their thing. clothes oh, off? No, it was, a, it was a disaster. Well, the short version of why it's a disaster, which is quite dark, is that no matter whether you think a business is a business, when you open a strip club in the underworld, <laughs> the underworld will come. Okay. Right, and yeah. It doesn't matter how clean you are, wow. stuff gets yeah. dark. You will be pulled down. So this yeah. year's show is sort of still in the sex theme. Yes, this show is about porn. So, you know, stepping up. <laughs> 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 no, this is, well, I say it's serious. It is a comedy show, but it's sort of a serious look at the rise of online pornography and what it may mean to us all and stuff. And the thing that David Cameron's done recently, yes. which I don't understand at all, because I thought people with children, there is a thing on your computer, isn't there, that you can yeah. stop them finding it anyway? I think he's confused. The, <laughs> I, I think it's really difficult. This is part of one of the things about the show. Is I, think, I think it's really difficult for politicians to actually talk about this problem because they all have to pretend they don't know what it is. Yes, of course. They all have to sort of go, oh, I've just been told there's some pornography on the internet. <laughs> This sounds appalling, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, I, and this, I think he, he wants to do an opt-in, just a, a, an opt-in button, but children are better at technology than we are. Yeah, exactly, true, yeah. exactly. And it will yeah. just be parents saying to their kids, um, how do I turn it back on? <laughs> <laughs> that's all you're, you're going to get. But so, what, his idea is that you have to kind of ring up the government and say, can I watch porn? Yeah, yeah, you have to call him up and he'll, he'll be like, look, I haven't got much on, but yeah, go on, what do you want? Because <laughs> yeah, I think most people watch porn kind of spontaneously, really. You're not yeah. going to go, oh, I'm feeling slightly horny. Where's the, where's the number yeah. for the government? Any chance you could... <laughs> yeah. I'm opting in for a wank, yeah. please. Do you yourself uh, watch porn? I have uh, quit. I am clean. I'm, I'm clean and sober. I did a lot of research for the show, not just what you think. And, uh, you know, it's a very it's a tricky subject and there's a lot of... And I could argue for and against porn, but ultimately I do think that the online thing is pretty dangerous because, because it's so fast and endless and, and it never ends. And I think... And then I saw this thing, I saw this TED talk called The Great Porn Experiment where a scientist looked at what happens to the human brain on internet porn, and because it's always so fast and new, fast and new, the reward center in your brain gets warped until your body does not function in the same way with a real person. I have heard that, yeah, that people get so into porn yeah. that then, you know, it's like but they I can't... thought that's the secret. If you want to stop people watching porn, tell them, you will struggle with erections, and then they go, oh, right, I'll stop them. That's it. <laughs> but Forget that's the a politics. very good thing yeah. to say what, to someone. What yeah, do you, you use instead now, then? I... I <laughs> <laughs> I am very curious about your, your flyer. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I look cute now. Yeah, yeah, I give very it sweet. Um, I have to ask you both: Do you have a secret that you can share with us? Weirdly, um, uh, last week um, Radio Two asked me would I do this thing called confessions. So it's very similar. So have you got a secret? I said, yeah, I'll do, I'll do that for you. And I said, because like, when I was uh, about 14, I used to steal a lot from, you know, corporations, not, you know, pickpockets and stuff. And, uh, and I told the story about how, because I used to have, well, we, were, we were quite poor, so I had a, a coat that had all the lining was, uh, was messed up, so I could stash a load of stuff in there. And I was going to tell quite a sweet story about when I was 14, I got caught stealing in a supermarket, and the police were called. 
and, uh, and I was so scared. And they, they put me in the cop car and they said, you're going to prison for life. And they were scaring the life out of me. But the weird thing is when I got into the cop car and I sat down, I realized I still had a four pack of juicy fruit in the inside lining <laughs> of my coat. And I was going, Whoa. and I've never been so scared. But of course they let me go. And outside the school and all the rest of the gang, we've gone, what happened? And I was going, juicy fruit, anyone? Like I was like, <laughs> like I was Steve McQueen. I, I was going to tell this lovely, charming story on, on uh, Radio 2. And the producer went, um, yeah, we're going to have a problem with the stealing element of that story. <laughs> Could you just tell that same story, but say you found the stuff outside the shop in a box? Oh, for God's sake. I went, no, you're all right. Let's not bother dealing with this. But this is what I think. It's a confession, but apparently stealing... But don't do anything wrong. Yeah. You so, don't confess anything wrong. Yeah, so I, I, used to, I, I will confess, I, I stole a lot, and it's wrong, children, if yeah. you are listening. But I think I stole a lot as a teenager. But I that's think what there's you just do. a phase where you... You steal. Steal, you... I remember stealing butter. You don't need, you know... I, I started <laughs> off... Because you could. Yeah, I, I used to sell, steal sellotape and, and everything, and then just eventually I, I started... Then I got my own bookshop together, got bored with that. And, <laughs> and, um, what did you all of a sudden I'm living in Spain. I don't know what's happening. There seems to be a premises. <laughs> Uh, there seems to be a pole in the middle of the room. I went, what can we do with this? Yeah. We had a wild time. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please thank Sean Hughes and Brett Goldstein. Thank you. Thank you. If you keep listening right to the end, you can find out how you can help Amnesty International. So please do that. Keep listening. Uh, we're just going to finish up uh, performing every night at the Underbelly. And now for us, it's Shirley and Shirley. to talk to you today about what's probably going to be the toughest decision of your life so far. Where to go on your gap year. Yeah. So I know a few of you will go to Val and do the ski season. And some of you will have to work because you're poor. But Felicia and myself, we went out to Uganda and did some charity mm -hmm. work. Felicia, why don't you say? Yeah. Basically, we went on the Uganda you can scheme. Yeah. Which is when a bunch of kids from over here goes out to Africa and builds some shit. Yeah. And the reason why we decided to go was because we were having a really tough time in the UK. Oh my God, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> like two weeks before going, I went round to my parents' house to swap cars because mine was out of petrol. <laughs> I hate it when you have to fill up your own tank. Oh it's my God, it's so hateful. And I got round there like my parents were in the Caribbean. And I wouldn't mind so much, but like, it's the third time this year they've gone to St. Bart's, which basically means they're spending all their money, which is my inheritance money, which is, like, really selfish. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we were in Uganda, we met loads of kids who didn't have families, and we were like, actually, you're really lucky you don't have a family, because families are really rubbish. Really rubbish. Actually, um, being in Africa was a real reality check. Yeah. Seeing so many kids less fortunate than ourselves made us feel so much better. Yeah, it really did. Okay, guys. So like a few hot tips when you go on the Ugan you can scheme, do bring out your iPads, because they love to see pictures. Of like cars and houses, shit they don't have. Yeah. <laughs> I know, no, it's really off, so make sure you bring some hygiene gel, because it gets really icky out there. I went like through 50 bottles of the stuff. It literally took off my upper epidermis. I had to have a skin graft when I got back. It was awful. It was awful. Like, literally awful. No, we set up a Facebook page oh about my God, it. It, it was, was awful. awful. Um, yeah, look, nothing can prepare you for the deprivation and poverty that is in Africa. Yeah. So if you do decide to go on the Uganda Can scheme, do what Poppy and I did and spend the night in Elephant and Castle. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like,
like shut the front door, literally. South London is a real Scheisenhauser. Oh my God, it's awful. It's really awful. Literally. Yeah. Okay, guys, so don't delay. Sign up today. And remember, you can, you can. Because we couldn't. Oh my God, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> You've been listening to Free Comedy, courtesy of Amnesty International. My name is Sam, and I work in the digital team. As well as putting the odd podcast online, we try and get as many people as possible involved in Amnesty's campaigns. It's easy for us to take free speech for granted. We post messages on Facebook, write blog posts, tweet, laugh at pictures of cats, and do all those other things that you do every day. But for others, free speech is a precious right they can't enjoy. Jabba Savalan was a student in Azerbaijan when he called for protests against the government on Facebook. He was sentenced to two and a half years. But after we led an international appeal on our website in which thousands of people demanded his release, he was freed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider donating £5 by texting HUMANITY and your full name to 70505. Your donation will help us continue speaking out for those that are denied a voice and make sure that we're able to keep making more comedy podcasts. Thank you. Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask the bill payer's permission. To unsubscribe from contact, text STOP to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms.